Welcome to the Lore Ladies, two bookish besties working in the animation industry. We are your hosts, Laura and Lauren, known collectively as the Lores. Join us as we talk all things nerdy and entertainment. We discuss books, movies, animated shows, and we'll have occasional guest stars such as talented folks from our industry and authors of your next favorite book. Welcome back to the Lore Ladies. Today, Laura and I are talking with a very talented author, David Martin Linz. His first book, Skull Valley, releases tomorrow. We're here to celebrate the exciting release of your book, Skull Valley. I am so excited. Comes yeah. out tomorrow, June 1st. I'm kind of losing my mind. I think it's uh, seven, seven hours or so from now that it comes out. Not that like, you know, there will be streamers or uh, anything crazy right at midnight. But still, um, today was the first day that I was able to go onto the uh, Ingram Spark website and actually see legitimate sales for hard, you know, hard uh, copies. And that was surreal. So I'm, I'm really excited and a little bit nervous and a little bit insane. So this should be a fun podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all the feelings all at once. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's a, that's a really um, nerve wracking and exciting place to be. Um, you know, and I totally get the surreal aspect. I remember the first time I saw my book on Barnes and Noble, I was like, it's happening. It's actually happening. You know, it's a really weird feeling. It's it's an insane feeling. Although I have to tell you, I I thought all along that the first time uh, that I would hold the book in my hands is when it would be real. And that was not the moment. The moment was, uh, I've got a, a really dear friend who is a sound engineer in Nashville, and he has agreed to do pretty uh, souped up version of an audiobook for me. And when I heard him doing that for the first time, just walking around uh, a parking lot with earbuds in and hearing somebody reading my book, their actual voice reading it, I almost needed to sit down in the middle of the parking lot. But, oh, um, that's amazing. It's, it's Phoenix, so it would have burned. So I just had water. <laughs> but it was surreal. I can imagine. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. When does the, when is the audiobook expected to come out? You know, we just talked about that, and he said he finished an initial version, but he had a harebrained idea, and um, basically, he wants to go back and he wants to soup it up big time. He's going to do it um, in a big way, using effects and the whole thing. And uh, because he, he works for Paragon Studios, I'll give him a shout out, um, Andrew Mayer. And he's a sound engineer who's worked on all kinds of professional projects. So it's just one of those, um, my goodness, am I blessed and lucky beyond measure um, that he's, he's my friend and essentially my brother and he's willing to help me out in this way. It's just essentially he's using it to train interns. <laughs> so he's like, no, man, it's totally cool. I don't mind doing it. Um, but yeah, they'll charge me for the next one. So I better, you know, take advantage of this. Um, so anyway, he was aiming for, as kind of a surprise, uh, June 1st, but I told him, you know, Andrew, go for it. Take as long as, as you need. It's going to be a funnel that helps people discover the, the property that, uh, 
discover the story. And um, yeah, I, mean, I only get a chance at this once, so make it do as much as you want to it. You're telling me that you want to give me a Ferrari and now you're asking if you can polish it. Yeah, please polish it. That's fine if you want. <laughs> so I'm not sure when it's done, it'll be done. Very exciting. Well, I can't wait to listen to that. I can only imagine what it would be like when um, somebody with experience like that is adding their, you know, inflections and all of the excitement to it. Yeah, but we're, we're also learning along the way, too, because when we were talking, um, he, he asked about the pronunciation of the last name of a major character. And I was like, oh, no, that's, no, that's not it. It's actually this. And he went, oh, I, I can't actually tell you what his reaction was, um, because I'm not sure if cursing is allowed on your podcast. <laughs> and we both started laughing. So he's like, all right, from now on, then the second go through, anytime I have a question, I'm going to pause right there and make sure we reach out to you so that we don't have to go back in a third time and fix anything. And I said, fair enough. So, so there's, you know, we're both kind of learning as we go, because apparently um, people who've done this before from the author side, make sure they put those notes in there for the people who are reading it. But I mean, if anybody uh, understands how little I know about this process, just having survived it for the first time, it would probably be you, Lauren, because you've, you've literally mentored me through a lot of the, the last, you know, fourth of this process of just things you don't know that you didn't know. Uh, I, I've always seen those cute little ISBN codes on the back of books before, but I had no idea what in the world they were for, and I had no idea I would need it. And I'm just using that as an example. There's so many things where, without the generosity and the kindness of, of folks like yourself, uh, you, you can never do this. And that's why I've already had several people come up to me and ask for counsel on how they could potentially do this one day. I said, you know, I will help you as much as I can. And if I don't know the answer, I would gladly point you to somebody else who can help you out. Because that's, to me, that's what this writing community completely is about. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, and I had so much help too. Uh, but there was a lot to wade through. There's a lot to learn. Publishing is really a beast of a process. You know, you write the book and you think, oh, whew, I did it. Not really. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. you still you still got a gauntlet to run um and so it's um it's a a major challenge to really overcome that um that hump of like how bad do you want this how important to you is this goal so yeah. it's definitely I, a test i just saw that it's uh, and who knows you know it's one of those things where you see it on the internet so it must be true um so I would call this an 80% fact, but 3% of people who set out to write a book finish it. And then what I was wondering is on top of that, you know, with, with uh, the self-publishing process, how many people set out to do that because they think it'll be so easy and then get discouraged and stop along the way, which is, is a shame because we're, we're talking about the gauntlets here, but really here I am with hours to go before I get to call myself officially a published author. If anyone is listening to this, let me tell you, uh, if you're in that position where you, you're where I was and you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling down and you're feeling like there's just no way you could finish this thing, 
just, in the words of the great prophet Dora, or wait, what, what's that fish's name? Just keep swimming. Is, oh, um, Do Dory, right. Dory, yeah, just, just keep Dora. I've got a problem, excuse me. Because <laughs> it's worth it. I agree. It's, um, it is very hard. It is very challenging, but the writing community will really back you up. I have learned, um, it is writing is a solitary process, but with a great community, you know, reach out to people on Twitter with a hashtag writing community. People will rally to you. People will, you know, they'll console you if you're down, they'll, right. you know, People, the writers have your back. That was very heartwarming for me to learn. I avoided Twitter for as long as I could because I'm already on other social media platforms and oh, I just could not fathom getting onto another one. And I just went, ah, I don't think I'm really a Twitter person. And I'm trying to remember, it might have been you, David, that convinced me. But I finally joined Twitter and I'm so glad that I did because when I'm struggling, I, I reach out there and they're there in an instant. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, overall, that website, that platform is a cesspool of complete, <laughs> complete trolls who you know, go on and on. But um, everybody has keyboard courage on Twitter, except it seems the majority, I won't say 100% of, but the majority of the writer's community, it's, it's kind of like, well, you, you put it very well. It's, it's such a solitary thing to do, and yet there's such a strong community. It's like that whole, you know, I am absolutely alone, together, uh, <laughs> sort of aspect to it. Because, I don't know, we, we get each other, and we understand the, the absolutely overwhelming amount of rejection that you have to be able to get past to understand that there will be a slice of the human population that are going to get you, they're going to get your story, they're going to be grateful for your story. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to find other people who understand. You, you can disagree politically, you can disagree uh, socially, religiously, I don't know, I'm trying to think of all of the big, huge things that, that separate us as, as humans these days. But at the end of the day, the support you have for one another because you're, and, and I say this through gritted teeth because it's hard for me to hold the mirror up and see myself as this. At the end of the day, you're artists and you understand other people who want to get their art into the world, who want to have a conversation with the world. Uh, when, I, when I first, I went to my first conference and it was in New York City and I was scared out of my mind to share with anyone my great idea because they might steal it. And then I realized that's not what the vast majority of this community is about. The, the vast majority is about supporting each other's ideas and helping them get, get out there. If nothing else, even from a narcissistic, selfish point of view, it's like, if somebody else succeeds, that gives me hope, you know? <laughs> and uh, so it's, I don't know, I'm just honored to be a part of the, part of the crew. So I have not been involved in your book and I know nothing about it. Uh, David, could you tell me a bit about uh, your book that comes out tomorrow? Like what's it about? Slight plot without giveaways. Sure. Um, and the funny thing is actually in a recent blog post, Lauren described it and it was my favorite description I've heard anybody give it yet. So I, I'd almost be tempted to say, can you, 
Can you do that old thrill ride line you said? Because it was awesome. Yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we all say this who do YA, it's adult accessible YA. Um, <laughs> and it is essentially um, a story of what happens when uh, the lights go out. What happens when all complicated electronics cease to exist? And what happens when the most prepared person in a small town for said event is a 17-year-old who feels completely unqualified? And I don't just mean unqualified to, to save this town. I mean unqualified pretty much to assume any leadership, unqualified to be as good as people think that he is. I like to say about my protagonist, uh, his name's Lucas, that the only thing that offends him more than people underestimating him is people overestimating him. <laughs> he's pretty sure that everybody thinks he's better than he really is. If, you know, it's that whole, if you really knew me, you wouldn't think I was such a great guy sort of thing. And he really struggles with that. As I imagine from my experience working with teens most of my life and having been one, it's really hard when everybody tells you you're a good kid because you know the worst mistakes you've made and you just almost want to shout to the world, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not that great. So anyway, this kid who is dealing with a lot, he's dealing with the loss of his father, he's dealing with, you know, being stuck in this small town he just wants to get out of, and then all of a sudden this happens and it kind of changes things for him. So there's a lot of action. Um, there's it's there's violence. There's minimal cursing. It's pretty accessible to a, a younger audience. There's there's no sex. There's no like illicit drug use. Um, but yeah, there's there's some violence. So <laughs> so that's such an interesting concept. Are you a big fan of that genre, or what kind of inspired you to write this? It, it's it's crazy. There's a there's a verse, and I can't remember which one it is. But there's a verse in the Bible that basically says, like, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, or maybe I've got that backwards. And that's always really intrigued me, the concept of, of the have-nots suddenly becoming the ones in power and vice versa, and all of the drama that comes along with that, no matter how it takes place. Um, that's always intrigued me in movies, it's always intrigued me in books, television shows, what have you. And I had that great idea that I wanted to do something with that, but I couldn't, I couldn't find the canvas with which to paint that story until I recognized one of my relatively new friends, and this is about two years ago, was a disaster prepper. Mm. And this isn't something that you come across very often because the vast majority of that kind of subculture don't like to publicize that they're members of that subculture. Of course um, not. People would come to them when disaster happens. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't make yourself a target. The, the technical term that they like to use is the gray man. Make yourself the gray man. Huh. Uh, so that you don't, you don't stand out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if everybody knows you're the local, uh, you know, Vons or whatever it's grocery store, um, they're all showing up at your doorstep. Mm -hmm. So I went with that and I thought, what if there was a family uh, that had a completely automated home. And when this happens, when an EMP, whether it's caused by a, uh, another nation setting off a, a nuclear device in the, in the atmosphere or a 
large solar flare happening, everything that they own would become basically a big paperweight because it wouldn't operate. Think about like automated doors, think about like a touchpad, a gun safe, everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing works. Meanwhile, you've got the rejects down, down the road who have been prepping for everything, but so they don't have a whole lot of money. They don't really take necessarily, they don't worry about, you know, the latest fashion. We'll just put it that way. And then something like this happens and the world reverse. Now, I would have loved to have written that story, but I didn't. Because <laughs> as I began to write my prepper story, Lucas, uh, who again is the, the protagonist, the 17 year old kid kind of grabbed me by the throat and he took me in an entirely different direction. As they and, do. Yeah. It's <laughs> Gotta the love that. Thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so when you read this book, you'll see remnants of that. There's a family that has a really fancy house and they're kind of new to town. And then there's Lucas and his family. But it's just the breadcrumbs of what became a, a story that, that has a lot of a lot of ingredients mixed into it, all under hopefully a good story with good action. But honestly, there's there's it's not preachy, but there's little things that that could here, let's let's get real deep. The main <laughs> issue, and I'm coming to you from Arizona, the main issue with the, the border crisis, the, the main argument on both sides is do I worry more about protecting um, my family and the people I love the most, or do I love the neighbor who is in need or the stranger who is in need? And where do I fall on that, that spectrum? Honestly, too many people go 100% in one direction or the other, I think, without acknowledging, acknowledging that there's a little bit of messiness involved. Just like if something like this happened and you have people showing up at, at your doorstep because they figured out you have things. Um, it's like a microcosm of, of that in a way. Like you said, if people know you have a lot of stuff, they're going to show up and they're going to want help. Of course they will. Mm-hmm. Because they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to get to a safer place. So there's a lot of that messiness and that argument. And there's one particular part in the book where an older couple who've been married forever just argue with each other, but they still love each other. And it, it kind of sums that little part of the story up. Another thing that's involved in Skull Valley is the issue of wishing that our parents taught us things other than what they taught us. I guess the easiest way to put it is, for good or bad, our parents usually end up teaching us what they know. And the faster we come to peace with that, not necessarily saying what they did, if it's sinister and horrible, is okay, but the more we the roots of what our parents taught us came from what they were taught or what they knew, um, the, the quicker we'll find peace with it. And You've got this Lucas character whose dad has been teaching him about survival his whole life. Meanwhile, his friends are playing catch, playing baseball, playing basketball with their dads, you know, and he just wishes his dad would have taught him something else. You know, he could have fit in with everybody else a little bit better. And yet it comes around and I guess you could say it comes in pretty handy. (laughs) So it's, it's a, a lot of, Pretty grown-up themes, but 
you know, teenagers can handle it. They can handle that. Yeah. And it's all wrapped up in some great action and it's fast paced. And I found myself, so I read the, the beta version and gave my notes on it. So it's developed since then. It really is a fun read in that sense, like the action and it really catches you. Um, but just the ex it's basically the existential and the moral crisis that you would go through in that situation, I think, is that having that time that, that this is a, very early in the story. So hopefully you don't mind the spoiler, but no, when he's got to drive, drive past a family that's walking on the road because their van is suddenly stopped. Like he knows he can't stop, but he has that moment of, I wish I could help, but if I try to help, I can't help everyone. Yeah, and and on top of it, he's a teenager who's got a cute girl in the passenger seat. He's <laughs> her too. So yeah. there's always he, another layer. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Honestly, I think one of the most fun parts of, of writing this is that I don't know. I'd like to think I would do certain things in the same situation, and I everybody. You know, everybody wants to be the hero, wants to imagine they would react heroically. You know, you, you kind of don't know until you're in that moment. Um, so all you can do is prepare yourself as best you can ahead of time. And, and right now I'm talking about emotionally, you know, and intellectually to be able to help people so that you are the kind of person whose character has already been forged to be someone who could reach out, who could help again. You know, it's, it is natural for us to have, everyone wants their spouse to help them first, you know, or their child <laughs> first. Uh, so it's, it, it is, it's tricky, but yeah, thanks for saying that, Lauren. I, I hope that this is all kind of wrapped into something that's just a fun ride. It, it takes place over seven days. I write in a very fast style where, where each chapter is significantly shorter than probably what the norm is. That might come from my self-diagnosed ADD. I don't know, but <laughs> if I'm not having fun, if it's not going somewhere, I I, I would quit writing. So I, I have to entertain myself first and foremost, and hopefully that'll translate. We'll see. Do you have a favorite secondary character that surprised you? <laughs> I have um, I have two of them. Uh, one of them decided that she wanted a much bigger role than what I was originally going to give her. And I don't really know how to say too much more than that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess I could just say there's, there's a, a young lady in this that I completely saw as a very minor character. And she just was undeniable uh, and kept, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't let herself out of the book. And by the end is pretty much a main character. And then there's another one who, gosh, I'm trying, I'm trying to say this without giving away major plot points, but I'll just put it this way. There's, there's a big guy in the book who I really, really, really enjoy however much time I get to spend with him because I, I, I just, I think big, big, big dudes who use their masculinity for good and not evil and then have a sense of humor are really admirable characters because there's some real villains in this world right but um there are also just huge huge you know hulking dudes who who do a lot of good for the world and also are some of the funniest people i've ever met 
So there's another character, his name's Trey, who kind of sums all of that up as well. Yeah, I like Trey also, the big, the big tattooed teddy bear type guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's something that I hope, if the reviews are decent and people don't mind me continuing this, this world, I, I think that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy is taking initial stereotypes and kind of flipping them on their, you know, on their head. And uh, Trey is kind of a classic case of that. You mentioned reviews. That's something that I wanted to touch on really quick, because as a new author, it is so hard to get noticed in the literary world without reviews. So if you are listening to this and you are planning on buying Skull Valley, which I hope you do because it is worth the read, also leave your review because I know from my own experience, it's very difficult to get off the ground without reviews. So buying the book, that's great take it that next step and leave a review. I feel like yeah. I'm running a telethon here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the things that I did um, to make this first book affordable was a contest where basically it was like $5 an entry. And I, I checked first because I didn't think anybody would be interested, but the feedback, I was so blown away and so uh, honored by friends and family and, and supporters. Um, and it was basically $5 an entry. And then I actually got this little old 80 year old Irish nun to draw the names out of the hat. So nobody could question my integrity. <laughs> and um, the winner got a character named after them. And then they got a signed hard copy. Aww. And uh, so what I think I'm going to do, and I'm kicking this around. So if I say this, I'm probably committing to it. Uh, what I think I'm going to announce is, is kind of a take two of that. But what I'm going to do is the first 25 people who leave reviews for Skull Valley and then contact me and let me know which review was theirs. I will name a character in the sequel after them if, you know, obviously there is a sequel, if enough people buy the book and it works. So I've, I've got a couple of, I've got a, I've enough new characters coming into the, the next story that I'd like to tell. Uh, that I could definitely, you know, switch a name. So I, I think that's what I might do to get those those reviews coming in a little bit quicker. So if you enjoy the world and you leave a review and you get it in there fast enough, your name might pop up in the next one. Smart plan. See, I'm, I'm joining you on the telethon. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a matching offer thing here. I'm sure you'll have to get ready to write in a Laura and a Lauren into uh, that book. So... <laughs> You can start start thinking about that one. <laughs> two, yeah, two, two ladies who initially seem really funny, but then you realize they are deadly. Yeah, that's yeah that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, accurate. Totally mm -hmm. accurate. Right. It's so encouraging to see other people finishing their books and publishing their books. I mean, I'm still in draft land of my book that I've been working on for like three years now. And it's it's just good to see that everyone has a different process and you know, everyone is still getting their books out and it's just so encouraging. Um, so mm -hmm. congratulations. I think that's just such, you know, writing one is such a huge accomplishment. So um, big uh, that, round of applause for you. That means a lot. Thank you. I, you know, I, I got to a point where I was having um, people say, um, uh, agents were saying, 
I had several agents basically say, this is a great story and I like it a lot, but um, right now with COVID and everything going on, we think nobody's going to be in the mood for more disaster, more, um, uh-huh. you know, whatever. And then I, I turned on Netflix and I saw like Outbreak and Contagion and all of these things were in like the top, you know, whatever of what people were watching. So I, I, I just thought to myself, I beg to disagree. So I've got to, you know, really consider how I can get this out there before I, I lose this window. And, and then I saw a few people uh, moving forward with, with their own books, including Lauren. And just thought, yeah, you know what? I, I, I can stop asking people for permission. I can just put the story out there. Yes. Snap. uh, Stop asking for permission. I love that. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty big moment. And in that first conference, I had a over hour long one-on-one conversation with JD Barker, who just co-wrote a book with James Patterson. So he's doing okay. (laughs) And, and he self-published his first book. And he said, you know, sometimes that is absolutely the right route to go. You just got to get your stuff out there. You know, at the end of the day, the little toddler who just invite, invaded his room, she's going to grow up and she's going to be an adult. And whether it's any good or not, she's going to have it on her bookshelf. Aww. And that is worth it. That works. Well, hearing the toddler real quick, David, thank you so much for being on uh, our podcast. And where can we find Skull Valley? You can find it anywhere online that books are sold, or you can go to davidmartinlins.com. You can find it there along with a couple of extra special treats. Uh, There are a couple of blog entries from the deceased father that will... uh, that will kind of inform the story a little bit more either before or after you read the book. So check that out if you have a moment. And I just want to say thank you so much to both of you for having me. I really appreciate being able to chat with you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for spending your time with us on a holiday. (laughs) We're glad to have you on. This has been very exciting. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, Thank you both so much. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you, all of our listeners out there. Uh, Be sure to follow us on the Instagrams, our newsletters, on Spotify, and reach out to us here on our podcast. Uh, You can check in with us on our respective websites. I'm at www.lauralhoman.com. And you can check in with Lauren and all of her amazing updates on her Veilborn series at www.laurenpetrazilka.com. And sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date as new episodes of The Lore Ladies are available. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast as it'll bring, help us bring more great episodes to your wanting ear holes. Thanks so much for listening. Now go spread your love of lore and be sure to read Skull Valley by David Martin Lynn.